Can I do an ASMR? <laughs> no, oh my god. <laughs> and on that note, folks, welcome to another episode of Not Another Film Podcast. Oh man, you can't even play the theme music this week. You just have to revel in that. Just revel in the word penis. <laughs> yeah. penis. The, in the beautiful, beautiful voice of Sydney Police. Yes. This is the podcast where we take movies we used to love as kids and we re-examine them in the harsh, sobering light of 2018. Mm, so harsh, so sober. I am one of your co-hosts today. My name is Ian Gears. I am joined by two amazing co-hosts today to talk about a very seminal high school movie. Uh, I am joined by Miss Lauren Thompson. How are you doing today, Lauren? I'm doing all right. Lovely. I'm also joined by the person who chose this movie, <coughs> Miss Sydney Police. How are you? I'm great. Happy election night, 2018. We are recording this and avoiding the news. We've been waiting for this night for two years. <laughs> and it's Hopefully finally it doesn't here. disappoint. Yes. Ah! <laughs> also, I apologize if you hear me coughing up a lung in the background. I'm not dying. It's just... Stress. This time of the, it's stress and it's fucking cold. <laughs> uh, so, Sydney, we are here to talk about 2009's 500 Days of Summer. What prompted you to uh, to ask us to do this movie on the pod? Well, uh, I had seen on some like BuzzFeed type site that Joseph Gordon-Levitt had tweeted that in response to someone on Twitter who had said, I hate summer from 500 Days of Summer. Like, and how could she ever do that to him? How could she do that to Tom? And Joseph Gordon-Levitt responded and saying, said, watch it again. Uh, something like, you know, you'll see that Tom was in the wrong. And so... Yeah, but at least he learned something in the end. Right. how he finishes the tweet. Yeah, so I had a free Friday night, and uh, I had access to... The movie, and I watched it, and I immediately texted Ian and said, we've got to do this movie for the podcast, because this this is like the essence of what our podcast is about. Yeah, no, it absolutely, when you texted me that, I was like, Sydney is fucking high right now. That movie is amazing, because I remember seeing it in high school and, and loving it, mm-hmm, like, like truly being like, wow. No movie has ever gotten it right this way before. Oh, okay, yeah. A billion percent. I was 100% Team Tom. Like, Tom uh, is the character that Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays in the movie. Uh, I was all about it. And that said a lot, because I'm not a huge Joseph Gordon-Levitt fan. Uh, But I was 100% on board with this character. Uh, And then I saw it one other time in college when me and a a very good friend of mine were just in a mood. We were like, we want to be sad and think about our exes. So we're like, let's watch 500 Days of Summer. And be sad and think about our exes. And we did. And again, Team Tom, man, he fucking gets it. And then I watched it again two days ago. <laughs> and man, oh man, what a little bit of perspective can do to my life and a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lauren, what was your experience with this movie? Um, I mean, as always, I'm fulfilling the role that I seemed destined to play. This is why we keep having you on. This is why we're here. I know. I feel like that's just my function. I'm just the person that's like, I ain't never seen this. Um, I'd seen sections of it. I think I. It's just sort of like through cultural osmosis. Yeah. I feel. I felt like I had seen so much of this movie. Uh, turns out I didn't. Uh, I think I'd, I've only really seen extendedly, I caught on TV, the expectations versus, versus reality scene. Yeah. Um, and That's kind I, of the scene from the movie. And then I've seen the trailer a million fucking times. Um, With and a then, bus full of summers that never shows up in the movie. Yeah, and then I, I realized today, actually, what I recognize some of the dialogue from, and it's because 
Um, it's, it is a popular choice for uh, two-person scenes for on-camera classes in undergrad. Shoot me in the fucking kneecaps. Yeah. Oh my god, that sounds painful. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. This- it's very popular. Very, very, very popular. And I was like, oh, that's why I, I, I thought I knew this. Great. Interesting. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, as far as the movie goes, no fucking clue. Yep. Oh, River doesn't like this. Uh, so Sid, what, what were you just going to say? You looked like you were gearing up to say something about Tom or, or gears about your... Gears and Gears and Gears and up. This movie is 2008... This is a time capsule of the year 2008. I think we can trace everything good and bad in what became known as hipster culture to this movie. Mm -hmm. That is why I love this movie so much when I was 16. Absolutely! No, I felt myself, my soul transported back into the body of myself 10 years ago. You want to hear like a, a real deep cut? I, because of how cool the characters in this movie seemed... Pretended like I knew who the fuck the Smiths were <laughs> for years, and not because so, of this movie. Because of this movie, because I was like, well, oh. if I want to get a uh, like a girlfriend, I gotta listen to the Smiths, right? And that, <laughs> I had never heard of the Smiths until this movie because I was sheltered and listened to mainly Green Day and hip hop all growing up. I had no <laughs> idea what the fuck '80s Britpop was. Mm. I see. I had read Perks of Being a Wallflower, so I did know who the Smiths were, which only galvanized my utter affinity for this movie. The vests that she wore, the music, her hair, like All of everything. it, expert layering of clothes by mm. Tom Hansen in this movie. The cardigans, yeah. oh my god. He looks great in every single scene, and so does she. They look great in every yeah. single scene, but they look like <gasps> Urban Outfitters models. But yeah, I, I think you can trace like all of that culture to this movie, which is crazy because the movie was like, it, it was big, but it wasn't a huge hit. Mm-hmm. I think this movie had like a lot of like real legs when it came to like suburban white teens. Yeah. Like you that's who, who really like absorbed 500 Days of Summer. You know who loved this movie? Huh. Theater majors in high school. Oh yeah. As a theater major oh, in high school, my God. I loved this movie. This made so much sense in retrospect that this movie was huge yeah. towards like the behavior of my peers. And me, but I wasn't influenced directly by this movie. I was dry, dry, like influenced by my peers who were influenced by this movie. Yeah, this movie was the very... The trickle down. This movie was extremely formative. Yeah. To yeah. me and to my friends. Like, mm-hmm. it, I didn't realize, I guess that just, you know, that's a, a sign you grew up. Mm-hmm. But watching this movie, I'm just like, wow, I was so influenced by this. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and I think that's where I want to get to. I think over the course of the pod, we'll yeah. kind of get to the, the huge general theme of this, but like rewatching it, uh, for me was a, a lot of, oh, wow, I, the, the, everything that Lauren, uh, you are afraid of when we talk about Wolf of Wall Street and how much I love the fact that it's like, no, it's like a subversion of all of these themes and all of these tropes and like, it's not, it's not glorifying any of it. It's like, it's doing something really subversive and interesting. And then you bring up the really good point of like, yes, but it still glorifies and romanticizes it enough to where like lax bros who do not get what the movie's doing. And who think, aren't interested in a deeper reading. And who aren't interested in a deeper reading are going to like, just think this is like three hours of, of nudity and, and drug excess. Yeah. And, and you're not going to get the last minute switch where all of a sudden it's like, but that's bad. Yeah. Whereas with this movie, <laughs> and if we're really going with Joseph Gordon-Levitt's like tweet of just like, no, this movie's actually an indictment and a deconstruction of the quote unquote nice guy image. I did not get that. 
and for years no. until rewatching it two days ago was like, no, this movie completely justifies everything that I've ever done or felt like about like mm-hmm. feeling fucked over by, by women in my life. Like this movie gets, because I don't think it's hard enough on him. It's not hard on him at all. No, he doesn't really have to face any consequences other than like being sad. But even in his sadness, the movie is like, oh man, isn't that romantic? Like, isn't it great to be that sad though, guys? Like yeah. it's, it's one of those things where it really rubbed me the wrong way because, and I think this is like good. It's maybe getting a little real on this podcast, mm. but really kind of confronted me with a lot of like, you have let yourself get off the hook for so many situations and so many bad habits because of its justification, maybe not just in this movie, but in movies like this that have constantly let the quote unquote nice guy off the hook who just because they're not like, you know, squandering their partner's money or like, you know, physically abusing them. Like are like there is a weird sense of emotional manipulation going on and, uh, and, and twisting of the story around to constantly keep yourself as the victim. Yeah. Which is what Tom does constantly. Yeah, he may it not... seems he's never yeah. at fault for fucking anything and he's just the victim of Summer being 100% upfront with him about everything that she says over the course of the movie. Yeah, I mean, he never says, like, nice guys finish last, but, like, he does... He does go off on that weird tirade in the office at the beginning where he's like, man, pretty girls, what makes them think they could get away with everything? Yeah. That, that, uh, I think yeah. some context around this movie would be good because yeah. 2008 was an interesting year. <laughs> 2008. Please tell me more. If, well, I, yeah. Real, real quick, though, the movie was written and optioned in 2006. Even better. Yeah, because it sat on the blacklist for two years. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. Makes sense. But so, it, like, this was a really, uh, in The Ringer, it was the uh, Step Brothers episode of The Ringer mm-hmm. podcast. They talked about how. Like, the mid-2000s were an interesting time for comedy because it was, like, very, like, political correctness was just, like, not something that was top of mind when they were writing these movies. No. And, like, it does, it definitely shows in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to describe it, but, like, the way they talked about women in particular, like, oh, she didn't look at me, what a slut, you know? I don't know that exact line, but... You know what I'm talking about. I yeah. do. I do. It's like, pretty much any line uttered by Jeffrey Arend yeah, in this movie. Yeah. Or Arend. I, Jeffrey Arend. When I saw that movie, none of that occurred to me or struck me as like wrong or a red flag. No, yeah. And then, you know, watching it as a 26-year-old, I'm like, if someone ever... If I heard a guy talking about like, like talking like that about another woman, that would be like... Mm-hmm. Oh no! Like, well, and exactly, and we—I mean—that is part of the reason why we're doing this podcast, which is why this movie's perfect for it. Is it? I, I do not want to, uh, and again, to kind of go back to like this movie, watching it a couple days ago, really kind of was like, "Here's a mirror, Ian. Look at it. Look at the harsh realities of what you've been letting yourself get away with for most of your life." Um, was like, I don't want to blame it entirely on a movie because it's not blamed on a movie, but I think a lot of my behavior as a man and, and as a man that, that does, you know, that likes to, you know, be in relationships and then like, you know, feel love and all this other stuff, you know, all that other bullshit that they talk <laughs> about in this movie. Uh, definitely a lot of my, my feelings about it and how I should react when I get broken up with or when I do break up. But so, like all of that is reinforced mm-hmm. by movies like this because I am someone who takes so much stock in media. 
and I consume so much media and I watch a lot of movies and I watch a lot of TV shows and in a lot of ways I was raised by a lot of movies and TV shows. So there is a lot of like looking to a character like Tom Hansen and even though it is supposed to be like we're not supposed to root for him as Joseph Gordon-Levitt has told us 10 years later, there is the part of me that when I watched it didn't get that and was like, oh, that's how I'm supposed to look at love. That's how I'm supposed to look at getting broken up with. If I do not feel the urge to just be breaking plates continuously in my house, then it's not real. It's not. No, but it's like, but that's what, like, I watch this and I go, I want a relationship like Tom and Summer. And if I want to love like that, then I've got to react like that. Yeah. And it's that kind of weird learning and unlearning that I'm now having to do. Yeah, it's also that, like, general rom-com thing of, of just, like... Everything has to be huge or it doesn't mean anything. You know, oh like my God, that like, yes. oh, if we're not making big gestures, if we're not smashing plates out of our like our affection, then the love isn't real. Which I think the more and more you when you realize as you become an adult and you fall in actual love, you realize is total bullshit and that's exhausting. Are if we, you're are, with someone who is like Tom, you realize very quickly that it is an exhausting thing to deal with. Are we are we saying that the, our group recommend for the end of this podcast is Ariana Grande's Thank You Next? Is that what we're saying? Oh, not familiar. Oh, it's her. It's her. It's her new song about Pete Davidson. It's oh. uh, it's a treat. Already. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so so let's dive in, unless we have any other big picture thoughts we want to talk about. Sid. Well, I do want to jump in here and say that I think it, yeah, Tom what was problematic, but Summer wasn't perfect either. No, not at all. And I, that is like the beauty of this movie. I mean, I, that's that's to uh, the movie's credit. Yeah. I will say. Yes. Summer, is that she's not faultless. She's right. not this like person who it, it, even in the movies like in the alternate reading of like this is, t- you know, Summer was completely upfront and Tom like didn't listen to that. You know, this is a situation where it is a little messy. The lines yeah. did get blurred, but it still doesn't mean that necessarily how he took it. Yeah. How was right, and I think that people can that that women don't have to be perfect in laying things out for yeah. for boundaries to need to be respected. Yeah, I mean, he definitely put her on a pedestal. Oh, yeah. absolutely, and that is yeah. not that section at the beginning really stuck out to me. Ian said something about that too, where he's talking about uh, like before they're even dating, he's talking about how he realizes he's in love with her. And he's listing all of the things he loves about her. And they're all physical attributes. They're all physical attributes. He knows yeah. nothing about her except for she likes the Smiths. But and he only knows that because he's like, oh, I like the Smiths. She's my dream. Dude, he only knows that because she asked him about the Smiths. He asks her nothing in this movie. Does he ever ask her anything about herself? He asks her zero. The only question he asks her is, really, Ringo's your favorite Beatle? And then, did you listen to that mixtape that I made you? It's all shit that is, like, in conjunction with him. It is those two things, and then he chides her for not liking a band that he likes. Yeah. (laughs) It's fucking exhausting, and we all know that guy. We all dated that guy. They're technically, like, in the movie, they're older than we are now. Yeah, no, he's, like, 20, because he's been working at that greeting card company for four years, he says, so he's, like, 26. I I thought they were, like, 28 or 30. Okay, let's go with that. Yeah. I like that better because they're more at fault. I can't remember <laughs> why I think that, but I'm pretty sure that's how old. Well, maybe it it's because they look like they're thirty. Well, like they're at fault, but also it makes sense because like it makes sense for him to be like, I just want to like settle down, and and I think she feels younger. She feels me. like she's like twenty three or twenty. She feels like I feel like this feels like a guy who is twenty eight and a girl who's like twenty two, twenty three. I mean, I buy that. But I don't know. 
Yeah. Well, okay, so let's dive in. This movie was, uh, I first want to talk briefly about uh, the, the writing team behind this because they have gone on to huge things. Um, this is written by Scott Neustadter and uh, Michael Weber. Mm-hmm. Uh, these two were recently nominated for an Academy Award last year for writing the screenplay to The Disaster Artist. They have also, re- yeah, yeah, I like that reaction. Yeah. We don't, we don't condemn James Franco on this show, but or no, we do condemn James. Dave, we don't condone James Franco on this yes, show. Yes, we don't condemn. We don't condemn him. No, we do condemn the the actions that he's uh, under. That's a great under fire script. For, but it's a great script, and I honestly really love that movie. It's a good oh, yeah. movie. Um, but they also wrote the screenplay for uh, a movie that I know Sydney and I don't like, uh, The Spectacular. Now, no, fucking terrible movie. Uh, they wrote as the, usual. Haven't seen it. They wrote the screenplay for pretty much all of the John Green film adaptations. So Paper Town, Fault in Our Stars, that's all them. That shakes. Um, I'm a big old Fault in Our Stars fan, y'all. Yeah, so, so these these two, uh, I mean, they're, they've written a ton of stuff together. And they, uh, Scott Neustadter said in the uh, DVD commentary for this movie, apparently, that it is 75% true story. And cool. it is actually based on a relationship that he had with uh, Jenny Blackman, the woman in the first, uh, the little slide <laughs> thing at the beginning. That's uh, an actual woman? Apparently yes. that's an actual name. We should have known going into this movie that, when that title <laughs> card I not, I didn't. I did See, not. See, and until I knew that it, that was a real person, and granted, IMDb may be full of shit on this. <laughs> uh, I have not watched this movie with the DVD commentary. I mean, IMDb on. is the absolute truth. They are, you know. Praise, praise be, blessed under, blessed under their eye. IMDb. <laughs> um, but I, I still, when we were watching it the other night, I was like, oh, that's funny. I thought it was funny. And yeah. then upon hearing it's a real person, I'm like, all right, that's fucked up. Um, I am terrified of being Jenny Neustadt or whatever. I think all women that are. Is that's my the fear. I that's the thing is you can laugh at that, but I think Sydney and I, as women, like, I think even what, like, I would have laughed along with it when I was a teenager because I wanted to be a cool girl so fucking badly. Shout out to Jillian Flynn. But, um, but yeah, I like now it's just, it's that innate fear of like, oh man. We, I, I, every girl who's ever broken up with a guy is afraid of being that girl. Who's like, afraid of being on the opening scroll of a movie? No, it's just like yeah. afraid of being like publicly decried as a bitch. And like, because then, especially when it's, when it's a very powerful man, because if you do not reach that level of success, then like the way that most of the world knows you as that bitch from the opening credits of 500 Days of Summer. No one wants that to be the, like the print mm-hmm. that they leave upon the world. But sometimes, as women, that is the risk you 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 run by by even like dating a guy. And that's really terrifying. I don't terrifying. know if you have that fear, Sydney, but like that's why I'm with an engineer because the worst he could do is nothing. Is build, build a bridge away from you. Right? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's certainly, I mean, that engineer is certainly yeah. doing a lot more building than Tom Hansen, the architect, yeah. uh, is. So we get our, our introduction to this movie is Tom Hansen, played by uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, has broken up with, or he and uh, Summer are no longer together. Yeah. Oh, he, I'm so looking forward to how you're going to try to give us the summary of this movie. All like, I'm going to do is give us the, ba- the basic, like, kind of <laughs> blueprint for Summer, who's played by Zoe Deschanel, the... Uh, in what Lauren really, really uh, excellently the other night kind of like spoke about as a deconstruction of the manic pixie dream girl. Yeah. Um, 
is, yes, she plays Summer, the object of Tom Hansen's affection. And they're together, and they break up, and they go through various stages of a relationship within the span of 500 days. That is the basic plot of the movie. The movie jumps around in time. I mean, technically, they break up around, like, 300. 300. Yeah, and day like, the relationship is over at that point. She is with someone else, and get, it's only when she's married to another man that the cycle ends, but okay. You can't break the Not cycle. Not when she says it's over. It's when he decides it's over in his heart. Yeah. Speaking of that obsessive need to never let go, the movie was directed by Mark Webb, who mm-hmm. went on to direct um, the amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. Movies about uh, a man that is, and his refusal to let go of his spider persona. Uh, <laughs> he's also huge for directing music videos. He directed um, he directed the My Chemical Romance like Helena video. Wow. Uh, he directed the oh. I'm Not Okay video. Oh. Uh, he directed a lot of Green Day videos. He did Evanescence, Bring Me to Life. Or not yes. Bring Me to Life, Call Me When You're Sober. Fucking great. Uh, I mean, the dude was uh, like face down. Uh, uh, like, Fuck yeah. This dude is responsible. Eric Eilerson, when you listen to this. <laughs> this dude is responsible for so many... So many morning wake-ups that I had mm-hmm. <laughs> that I used to sit and watch MTV as oh, I woke yeah. up. So many times. But I think I, I do want to, because this was his first feature, it does, now he's a, he's an executive producer and co-creator on um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is a show oh. that we all appreciate and like. Um, but he, this was his first feature, and the reason I bring up his music video past is because I think that the best parts of this movie upon rewatch are all of the sections that kind of are music videos. Yeah. Like him... There's so many montages. Yeah, there are... This movie is fueled by montage, and, like, the scene, like, near the end where he's, like, drawing, like, the chalk city in his house, listening to Wolf Mother, and, um... It's so much hipster aesthetic. It is. is Even the opening credits to Regina Spector is, like, a really beautiful little music video. Yeah, the soundtrack to this movie is so good. It's great. Oh, my God, A-plus soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. Holds the I listened to it, like, last week in... In its entirety, and it's still great. Like this, this soundtrack is amazing. Yeah, I, I, I'll still go to bat for this soundtrack. Yeah, I love it. It like, is. It, we have to acknowledge that it is, like we said, it is like the birth of so many crazy, annoying habits and ideas in hipster culture. Mm-hmm. But it's a fucking great soundtrack. Oh, God. oh my god! Yeah. yeah, and the songs work perfectly in the scenes, like that Carla Bruni song. Like, uh, Even the Pixies. Him singing the Pixies is great. Yeah, I know. Oh, I'm not as crazy about her singing Nancy Sinatra. But that was the start. That was she and him. She They have yeah. that song on one of their albums. But I'm still weird about it. I don't know why. It's maybe because that's a horrible karaoke song. It's not a... Why is that even on karaoke? That's a... You know... Exactly. A, why is it on karaoke? That makes no sense that it's on, like, a New York City karaoke list. And this goes back to, I think, the thread of hipster culture is... Uh... I know something you don't know. Yeah, it's like, that's the type of song that wouldn't be on the karaoke list, but all the cool kids in the booth in the corner would be like, oh man, can't believe that song wasn't on, wasn't on the, the list. The same thing that made me afraid to tell people I had no idea who the Smiths were. Yeah. It's that spirit that oh, she goes up She goes up and are. flexes in front of everyone and sings this song that like I had never heard of, but he wants to be cool to Summer, so he has to, you know, seem like he knows all this shit about Nancy Sinatra, or like, oh, it's a great song, and it's like, he never... Has that? I I wanted like one moment with Tom where he just acknowledged like I didn't know who this band was or what this artist she, was. Where it's like, oh, you I, taught me something. But you, but I had to pretend like I did because I wanted her to like me. Whereas like 
she very willingly like goes to see the graduate, which she'd never seen before and has like a full on emotional experience at it. Mm-hmm. Because again, it's all about what Tom can introduce her to and which, not what she which can brings introduce it into Tom the whole to. Manic Pixie Dream Girl thing, which I think it was, I, maybe I'm incorrect. This is the movie that kind of made that trope a thing, right? I don't know if it's Garden this movie. State? I think I Garden think State. Yeah, because that's what I was talking about with Ian is that I feel like this is a huge example of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl thing. I heard it described as like a Manic Pixie Dream movie, basically. I, I would agree I with would that. Agree, I would agree with that. I agree percent. that the movie is Manic Pixie Dream. But I think that Summer, I think, I don't know, I think Garden State is a straightforward example of, of like the, the woman actually being that, being this like, crazy special person that is like magical and and no one else is ever like her but i don't think that summer actually is i think she's a very interesting person but i think that all of those things are projected onto her by tom and the way that he treats her well and every other freaking dude and because there's that scene where it talks about how like the weird magnolia-esque intro of summer like yeah it's so strange that she had been stalked by dudes her entire life pretty much because she had like an innate ability for everyone to love her even though she was so average in every respect yet still looked like zoe deschanel yeah like i i I don't know it's just like everything she does once we meet her other than the way that Tom treats her and what Tom projects on her, she seems like a very normal person. Like, she's a little yeah. bit hipstery. She sings that, like, weird song, but, like, a hipster does not a manic pixie dream girl make. No. A manic pixie dream girl in this movie, I guess, is is a hipster that, like, is projected magical energy onto by a dude. Well, I, I think know. that's what, I think, I, to go with what you're saying, and I think the, the argument you laid out for me when I was saying... Still wrongfully going, wow, she's really such a manic pixie dream girl. But then you made me think about the movie in this light that I think makes me appreciate it a little bit more. Is if this entire movie is taking place inside of Tom Hansen's head. 1000%. And yeah. none of it is real. Or at least the way that it like objectively is. I have problems with this theory later on, especially with some of the shit Clark Gregg does, his mm-hmm. boss. But... If this entire movie is like a a slightly exaggerated version of the truth based on how Tom sees the world. Is this like a How I Met Your Mother type situation where the narrator is Tom? Yeah, I think it's... Like telling the story later on? I almost... That's like Like a much better version of this movie. It's either like Tom down the line like telling his kids about this movie or Tom telling his next girlfriend what a bitch his ex-girlfriend was. I feel like the next iteration of Saw... This giant torture porn franchise <laughs> is fuck? going to be one person stuck in a room with Tom Hansen and Ted Mosby <laughs> while they both bemoan their exes. <laughs> like, and that's, that is the most exhausting room I could ever imagine being in. I don't know. What do you think, Sydney? Are you on board with this, it being in Tom's head? I, I think it makes sense. But I also think this, the goal of this movie is to just, well, I know that Tom and Summer are a little bit, like elevated in terms of their characterization like they're not they're not like your everyday person like I probably wouldn't know Summer or Tom yeah but I think the point is to like be realistic mm-hmm. yeah show. I think the movie is like halfway between like actual realism and then something like pushing daisies which yeah. is very much like hipster heightened I guess there's a colorful part of, yeah. musical I, I would like to see this movie from Summer's perspective though I think that'd be fascinating oh that'd be a fucking sequel that's like yeah. 500 days of Tom no you know what it would be called it'd be called 290 days of Tom yeah. because that's how long our relationship yeah. was and you need to fucking and not even 290 we didn't start dating till like day 60 so it's like you conservatively 200 days of Tom and and that's enough for everyone they didn't make it to a year no no <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, because I think, and, and I will say, uh, you know, maybe hot take, maybe not. This movie does age a hell of a lot better than Garden State does. I cannot get through Garden State. Dude, I went to bat for that movie for years and rewatched it in college and could not finish it. I can't, I, I think, I think, well, I think the main thing is I don't like that Postal Service song, Never Have. And I'm like, that is, that is your problem with Garden State. That's like the hallmark of That's that the only movie. good thing about the movie is, this, is the, the, the soundtrack. I don't know, and I, uh, I just can't, I can't get through it. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, so Tom works for a greeting card company. He uh, went to school to be an architect, but he's middling in this, uh, in this greeting card company in the middle of New York. Mm-hmm. A job people would kill for. It's also Los Angeles. Oh, it's Los Angeles? Yeah. Oh, it was New York. It's I thought LA. It was New- oh, oh, I totally thought it was New York. No. Oh. Um, they probably say that, and we were just talking over it. All right, so it's in LA. Huge edit point. So <laughs> Tom Hansen is a greeting, works for a greeting card company in LA, and um, with his best friend, whose name is Mackenzie, who's played by Jeffrey Such Aaron. Such a 2007 name. I know. Mackenzie. Mackenzie. Um, Played by that NCIS dude, right? No, 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 no. Jeffrey Aaron <gasps> plays Mackenzie. Mackenzie, uh, Jeffrey Aaron, I, I should say, um, very well known for um, the movie The Ringer with Johnny Knoxville, where okay. he dupes his way into the special Olympics. I just know the two friends as friend one, God. friend two. Yeah, and uh, and for he's on Madam Secretary. He's okay. like a big role in that. But this is the crazy bit of news that I was reading while uh, we were getting set up. He is married to Christina Hendricks. Good on you, Jeffrey. Like you must have done something right. Yeah, I love Joan. She's amazing. Um, and then his other friend. Can I say it? Mad Men, by the way. That's the best. (laughs) Oh, say it. Sorry. No, what were you gonna say? Is it about Mad Men? Matthew Gray Goobler. I like saying that. NCIS. You want to go do the rundown of Matthew Gray Goobler? Uh, Matthew Gray Goobler is a, t- <laughs> <laughs> He's a Tumblr icon. Really? Is he? Oh my god, yes. No. I don't, I'm not on Tumblr. They, I, I am on Tumblr, but I somehow have never seen this. I couldn't figure out Tumblr, but I just, I do know that. <laughs> Tumblr is your garden state. You just couldn't figure I can't, it. I can't connect with it. I have found the most <sighs> golden, uh, cat videos in the world on Tumblr, so I'll never delete it. I, I love it so much. I work in digital marketing, and I don't under... I just can't figure out how to work it. I found so many voting <laughs> memes to encourage people to go vote in the last couple days that I've posted it on Tumblr. It's, it's been great. truly impressive. It's pretty great. All Tumblr is so 2008. Oh my god. So Matthew Gray Goobler, uh, <laughs> he is, I guess, yeah, most well-known for NCIS. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but no, wait, Criminal Minds. Or Criminal Minds, that's criminal what it is. Minds. Oh, is it? Not I was not a Goobler head. Yeah, you <laughs> You were not a Goobler? A Goobler? A Goobler girl? Guys, email us. What is the name for Matthew Gray Goobler fans? Is I'm it? more of a fan of his uh, voice work. Are they Goobler Gobbles? Goobler Gobbles. <laughs> I vote Goobler Gobbles. I was more of a Goobler Gobble for his voice work uh, because, as we know, he... Uh, I'm not sure if you do know... <laughs> Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little bit of Tom Hansen mansplaining to you. He did and just Lauren dies. Um, I'm dead, guys. He did the voice for uh, Simon in the Alvin and the Chipmunks movies, what? including wow. all of the squeakles. Um, wow. And yeah, so he's and as as is famously known, those are Ian's favorite movies. You know what? I did watch the first one. I showed the first one to my class when I was a teacher mm. because they they got all their work done early, and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, guys, you 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 won. 
what movie do you want to watch? And they were like, Alvin and the Chipmunks! And I was like, all right, it's on HBO Go. Let's do this, kids. And we watched it over the course of like three or four days. It's not good, but it's a lot funnier than I expected it to be. And like, hey, wow, this is a, like, if I was like eight years old when that movie came out, I would have loved it. Yeah. Um, so between that and Paddington, that wins, right? Uh, no, but, uh, Chipwrecked <laughs> does. And good, good. Who needs Chipwrecked? Um, so, so they work at the screening card company. Um, Matthew Gray Goobler doesn't. He, I guess we're led to believe he works, uh, at a hospital because he's always wearing scrubs. <laughs> scrubs. He that always... That is his only defining characteristic. He wears scrubs and has a girlfriend that he's been with for a long time. He's got two pagers. One of them's for the hospital, the other's for Tom. And he <laughs> yeah. is ready to leave the hospital at the drop of a hat if his they best are, friend has girl troubles. They are so... Such classic rom-com best friends. Yeah. It, it's crazy. It's crazy. And I and I love rom-coms and I love and rom-com And Summer tropes. has no friends? No friends, no family. Well, to she the just c- moved to the city. Sure. She's new in town. She's, hey, <laughs> she's new in she's town. New in town. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and of course, uh, the MVP of Tom's posse, uh, his precocious young cursing sister. Oh my God, yeah. that's right. Played by Chloe, Chloe Grace, Grace Moritz. Moritz. Oh boy. Uh, I like Chloe Grace Moritz. Uh, Moritz? Uh, Moritz? Moritz? Moritz Stiefel? <laughs> Chloe Grace Moritz Stiefel. Uh, I've been a fan of her work since Kick-Ass. Um, oh, yeah. And then we just, we just saw her this past weekend. I think weekend. I saw her for the first time in Hugo. She was great. She's great. I fucking love Hugo. Love Hugo. It's a great movie. <laughs> um... But yeah, so she's she's in that. She was most recently in the the new remake of Suspiria that we well, saw. Not a great look for her. Uh, no, I mean, not, not the performance. But she's like, terrific in the but movie. Like, she didn't look great. No. She's she's gonna be by the, design the next uh, live action Little Mermaid. She is. No, she dropped out of it. Oh, she dropped out of it like a year ago. Well, I've heard that Miseducation of Cameron Post movie is pretty good. Heard really so good things. I've heard good things about it. Can't wait to see it on uh, on video on demand. Yeah. Um, so they work for this company. Summer comes in and starts working there, and Tom immediately is like, "Oh, there's a new hot girl. I guess I'm in love with her." Yep. And that's the movie. And he he finds he he decides that they're in love and that they are going to date, and then they do, and it's weird. Yeah, and his his boss is played by Agent Coulson of Shield. This I guess you is mean, before. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Jennifer Grey. You're exactly right, Mr. Jennifer Gay, uh, Mr. Jennifer Grey. Uh, mm-hmm. Not to be confused with Matthew Gray Goobler, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. So Clark Gregg Lucky plays his boss. The man who managed to marry Jennifer Gregg. Congrats! Yeah. No, seriously, good on you, dude. Um, we got a lot, of, a lot of great. Uh, you know, we have Mr. Christina Hendricks, and we have Mr. Jennifer Gray. In this yeah, movie. like the husbands of really, really great women. Is Goob is uh, Google gobbles? Let us know. Is Goobler married to anybody? I think cool? he is. Um, I'm gonna do a quick Google. Yeah, okay. do a quick, do a quick Google. Google. Do a Google on Googler. A Googler. Can you get a Google alert? Can you get a Googler alert? A Googler alert. I love that. Um, yeah, and so that's pretty much it. They meet, or they kind of start connecting because he's listening to the Smiths in the elevator, and she very politely and courageously, I might add, is somebody who, like, is working at a new place and doesn't have any friends in the city that we've seen. And also is in an elevator with a coworker, the worst thing to ever happen to anyone. Is like points out like I know oh. Sydney gets it. But it is like an F the like the end of the a day. aphrodisiac space in these rom coms. She yeah, goes down in elevators in movies. Of course, that's true. It's a liminal space. It's, it's, it's it feels, you're going between your destinations. It's why in real life it feels incredibly awkward. Mm-hmm. Because you're like at any moment some random person's gonna talk to me about the Smith. 
minutes. And then I'm like, until... God damn it, can I just listen to my fucking headphones? See, and in my the mind, the real I'm way like... that that would have gone down is it is if I was Tom, I would have just pretended that I didn't hear her. Well, and every time somebody points out what I'm listening to, I just I fall in love with them automatically. I'm trained to do that at this point. Yeah, that's why I have to make sure that no one ever speaks with Ian. Yep, that's the thing. I'm kept so on a tight leash. So they cannot steal him away from me. That's... <laughs> I will interject here real quick and say, and I don't know this. I'm not. I don't live in LA, so you know I might be wrong. But from my observations, people in LA fucking love Morrissey. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Like I across the that. board, when I went to LA, I was shocked by how many Morrissey shirts I saw because you don't see that anywhere else. But do you think they actually love Morrissey, or this yes. movie made them think that they no. knew who Morrissey? No, was? Or they just, I they just know. like the shirts. This ha- it has nothing to do with this movie. People in LA just love Morrissey. Well, and I've gone back, especially since then, and especially in like the last four or five years gone back and listened to a lot of the Smiths and a lot of Morrissey and really, really loved it. I really love the Smiths a lot and oh, yeah. I really like Morrissey a lot. Um, and so like there's, they're, you know, they're great. We're not saying like they're not good. Like they're being brought up for a reason, but they're also being brought up. It feels like they're being brought up in this movie the same way that Zach Braff brings up the shins in Garden State where it's like, I want to talk to you about a little known band you may have forgotten about that deserves all the credit in the world. The shins. Mm-hmm. But I forgot. And then suddenly everybody and your mother had fucking new slang yes. as their ringtone. Because they were like, I saw one indie movie and that's what this is. Like, I, I had new slang and uh, that their other song, like Australia or whatever, on my I love Australia. square iPod. Yeah. And I would just scroll and listen to it. I, and again, you know what? Not a fan of Garden State, the movie. Still a fan of that soundtrack. Yeah, totally. Soundtrack's dope. Even though you don't like the Postal Service. Oh, I hate that song. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, they meet. She points out that she is aware of the Smiths and now he's in love with her. Yep. And then they go to a karaoke. Another one of women's worst nightmares. You make polite conversation with one dude and all of a sudden he follows you forever. That's di- All of a sudden you're in the name of a movie. <laughs> oh. Okay, but also after the karaoke party, she... She's into him. She, she is into him. She initiates stuff. He, she's like, "Do you like me?" And he's like, "Yeah." Do you like me? Like me? Yeah. Like, and he's like, nah. I don't know. I'm she Tom Hansen. Yeah, she kind of like lays her cards on the table. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm not looking for anything serious, but I do like you. Yeah. And then she like randomly makes out with him in the coffee room, which you you shouldn't do for Y'all, many there are reasons. Cameras but in your I, office in two thousand eight, no, there weren't. You just got this job. That's true. (laughs) Maybe maintain some professionalism. But again, I stand to point. This is all in his mind and that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. She probably went in and printed something and then said, hey, Tom. And in his mind, that's as good as her making out with him in the copy room. Mm. This cartridge is full. (laughs) 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 We need more toner. Um, But yeah, she walks out. They're kind of, you know, flirting there. And then they start... Hanging out and like going to record stores together and they go to Ikea and going to Ikea together and having adorable dates in Ikea. Oh my god, I would fucking hate them if I was in Ikea. One hundred percent. Ikea is hell. There is nothing romantic about Ikea. Go to Ikea on Saturday. Nothing. Tell me if you leave more in love with your partner than when you walked in. The answer is always no. It's the always, no. always no. I also stand by. You get they get two scenes in Ikea in this movie. One of which when they're doing well and they're playing house. Like, two weeks into them, like, not even dating. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit off-putting. And um, they're laying 
down in one of the beds and like making out in an Ikea? What the fuck are these people doing? If I saw that, I would be like, get off the home with the doom lot over the O. Get off the home. I need to get my flurg and get the F out of here. Exactly. Also, yeah, they're showing like maybe the first 10 minutes of you being in Ikea. Great. That's the beautiful part of Ikea. They're not (laughs) showing the 50 minutes after that where you're just trying to get out of the Ikea. And and the Ikea will not let you out. Dude, that's the fucking movie. Okay, so it's not (laughs) called 500 Days of Summer. It's called 500 Minutes in Ikea. And it's Tom (laughs) Hansen and Summer stuck in an Ikea where they start the movie really, really loving each other. Oh my and God. then by the end of the movie, she's like, I, I'm done. I'm oh done, Tom. You're exhausted. Who do I need to give my money for this idea of just a couple going through Ikea and falling out of love? Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Give it God, to him. God, I love it. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's ready to go it. to bat. She also looked cute as heck for uh, John to Ikea. When I go to Ikea, which is never... Uh, I'm wearing sweatpants. Again, it's all in his head. She's wearing sweatpants in real life. <laughs> she all, they also didn't go there to buy anything. Why would you go to Ikea to just browse? I've gone to Ikea to browse. You're a fucking insane person. I'm, I go, well, I haven't gone to browse. I've gone to like kill three to five hours. You can't, you cannot force me to go to Ikea for fun. I, I hate it. I go to buy the like little stuff, like the frames and the Yeah, tchotchkes. absolutely. But just as a, a great date. great shop. As a date to just be like, I need to go to Ikea. I feel like the way that she would like get, get him to go to Ikea, he'd think it's a date. She's just like, no, I actually just need you to like set up my furniture. <laughs> I need to me. furnish my apartment. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God, I love that. But like this relationship is a scam. So she'll set up her new apartment. Literally all of their dates are just like her doing practical things like, hey, I had to leave a lot of my record collection in Michigan. Would you mind going to this record store with me while I go and pick some stuff (laughs) out? And he's just like, oh, cool. Now we're connecting over music. Hey, I need to furnish my apartment. Can uh, I need to go to Ikea? Well, great. Let me drive you to Ikea. Yeah. And then they get to Ikea and that's what happens because she's like, well, I guess I need to enjoy this. Otherwise, like this guy's not going to give me a ride back home. Yep. Oh yep. man, this is a serial killer movie. But at like, this point. also, I, that popped into my mind because I saw something on Twitter, which was really fun. Which was just a girl who put on their on her Tinder profile. It's just like, just want to go to IKEA. It's like every time a dude, they like she matched with the dude. She's like, cool. Do you want to go to IKEA? Just because she needed furniture put together. And just needed. And they something. were like, oh, you mean like on a date? That sounds so fun. Dude, a world and she of was Tom like, Hansen's. no, I literally just need a couch. <laughs> If this movie were filmed in 2018, they would be going to the Museum of Ice Cream or one of those like Instagram, oh, yes. those like Instagrammable museums. Mm. Yes, like that would have taken the place of the IKEA. But he wouldn't yeah. have an Instagram because that would be too mainstream. But he would have a Tumblr page. Mm. No, Tom, yeah, a Tumblr page. Tom would have an Instagram, but he wouldn't like filter, and his photos like wouldn't be good quality, and all of his captions would be like really ironic. And and Summer would still have like an NV2 flip phone. Yeah. Because she's too cool to Tom be on Tom would have that, one on photo smart... of himself on his Instagram and it would be like a quarter of his face and he would definitely not be smiling. No, no. Jesus. Um, so, so yeah, they have all of these weird dates. But yeah, so there are two scenes at Ikea. Yeah, the one is like they're gallivanting around causing hell and wreaking havoc for all the people that actually work there and are shopping that there. That poor family. And then their second scene is not a huge blowout like you would normally see in an Ikea. It's just them morosely walking around. And her not wanting to hold his hand. Yeah. Mm, not a good way to go. You gotta go on Ikea with a good attitude. Yeah, because yeah, you're gonna leave with a bad one. And yeah. also when she breaks up with him, she says that they've been constantly fighting, but we don't really ever see any of those fights. So because I, the movie because takes Tom place in his head. Because doesn't want to show them to us. I yeah. also think Summer... 
has some like um, like you know boundary issues and she's got you know yeah. let's get into summer let's get into summer because we've been ripping on Tom yeah, a lot what so we what do we know about summer yeah what do we know about some objective facts about summer her parents divorced when she was very young yeah, yes. she doesn't loves, really believe in love. No, nope. loves nope. her hair. Loves her hair. Loves but, cutting it off. And loves how she can cut it off easily. Yeah, she just she just moved here really Which recently. Which sounds like something Tom would put on one of his Instagram posts. <laughs> she moved here really recently and she just wants to have fun because she's young and she doesn't want to like settle down just yet. What are her major aspirations? We know nothing. We know nothing about her. Because Tom doesn't ask. We don't even know her job at the greeting card company. She's She's an assistant to Clark Gregg. Yeah, yeah. She's Clark Gregg's assistant. So she helps to run Shield. at the very end. But she lives in a, like, When Shirley takes over. She lives in a crazy good apartment. Because she got it cheap because she's cute. And the yeah. landlord, that is true. Which, didn't raise the rent. I'm sorry, that does not happen. Literally well, never. but that, okay, so this is where my brain breaks, is like... So, obviously, the movie's not all taking place in Tom's head. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there is this weird kind of magical energy that surrounds Summer that it's like she's a very... They keep trying to tell us she's a very average and plain person when it's like, no, you look like Zoe Deschanel still. Yeah. Um, but but she still is followed with, like, this crazy energy that everybody wants to help her and be nice to her and, like, men fall in love with her at the drop of a hat. So... Who can blame Tom for falling as like heavily in love with her as he does? She's just a helpless victim. It's she's like the John Tam character in Thirty Rock. Yeah, yeah, yes. she is. Yeah, she's, she's in, in the bubble. bubble. Yeah, the bubble. Well, which My I God. I think is interesting. Like, I like those sequences in the movie. I really like all the sequences that like we're gonna go back and tell you in like, you know, or we're gonna like show you Tom's depression in like the form of a Bergman film. Yeah. Like all of that stuff, I really enjoyed. But I also think it muddies the movie and what is like that whole backstory on summer is like, okay, so is Tom to blame for any of this for like, because that stuff makes me think, no, Tom's not projecting a person onto her. She just has this otherworldly thing that everyone is attracted to. I don't think this movie, like, this movie doesn't indict Tom at all. This movie doesn't produce a successful thesis statement, I don't think, by Mm. the end. Mm -mm. I think it just throws a bunch of different ideas in there and is, like, hoping that they'll end up on a Pinterest board. This movie is about fate. Yeah. (laughs) That's what this movie is about. Sure. Well, I think, yeah, yeah, it's all summed up in her her statement on the park bench at the end. Yeah. Which, do you want to tell us what she says at the end? Yeah, she... She tells Tom, we're uh, fast running ahead here, but she ends up engaged to somebody else like pretty shortly after Six they start after. dating. Yeah. And she says, you know, what if what if I'd never eaten my pastrami sandwich in a deli while reading Picture of Dorian Gray? Barf. Like straight up. Like, <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> oh my God. And Gag me with a She and Him album. That, like, is, that <laughs> is a very Manic Pixie Dream Girl statement. I... Yeah, it's like, I was reading Dorian Gray and this guy came up and asked me about it. I was, uh, d- d- did he ask you why the fuck you're waiting so long to read this book that was like required reading in high school? Like, Yeah, and oh. also like, I don't like strange men talking to me while I'm trying to read my fucking book. Yeah, but he's probably hot. So, and yeah, a doctor. He probably is. <laughs> yeah, we never really got a good look at him, but he, I know he's blonde. I do remember that. Anyways. I, I wanted it to be Clark Gregg. Oh, oh boy. It's twist, it's her that boss. That really muddied the waters there. Um, but sorry, so continue. Yeah, no, she was basically saying, what if I'd never gone there and read that book and he'd never come up and talk to me, you know? I don't know. This idea of, like, your person will, you'll find your person and just, like, yeah. you weren't my person. 
That part really did bum me out, though. And it still does. Like, it bummed me out in high school. It bums me out now. Sure. Like, can you imagine, like, being in love with somebody and then you break up and then, like, six months later they're engaged? That, that does suck. Suck. That does Absolutely. Suck. So Especially much. a person that was like, oh, I don't I don't believe in love and yeah. I don't believe in it with you. And right. then, like... Well, and I... But also, that's a, that's a shitty emotion, but it is also, like, true yeah. to life. That's a real thing. Absolutely. You can be with someone and think that, like, oh, that's just not something that I want. That is, like, I, do, I just don't want those things. I just don't want, like, to settle down or to be married. And then you meet the right person, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, it just... It's just... it cha- And then all of a sudden, your world changes. And so I actually... Like, it's shitty, but I think that part is actually one of the truest moments of the movie. Of, like... Of just sitting down with your ex and just being like, I realized it wasn't that I don't want those things, it's that I didn't want those things with you. Oh, Which is brutal to hear. Is, yeah, it's harsh. It's brutal. It just, it's brutal, but you also don't see it very much in movies, you know? No, and I, I do appreciate that. I love that. I really, like, genuinely, unironically, love that scene. Yeah. I think that scene is really well written. It is harsh, mm-hmm. um, but I also think it, that's, the, that's the whole reason for the movie is that scene. Like, that's its... Hedging my bets here with my recommendation at the end. That's it's Dr. Perlman speech, mm-hmm. and it like just it's got one of those things that I I, I do appreciate. And I do very much. Uh, that that was the thing that on rewatch I still connect with. Yeah, is the idea that like you weren't the one, but you led me to the one. Yeah, and yet the other person's still like yeah, but I but what if you were the one for me? Yeah. Oh, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Well, and it's, and I, I, I don't, you know, want to speak for everybody else, but it's like, I've been there. I've totally been there. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, that's, it's It's like, it's one of those shitty things about growing up. And I feel like you always have those, those things. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Tom made mistakes, but I also do think that Summer made mistakes and like, Mm -hmm. and ultimately like, that's a, that's a thing that maybe Tom needed to hear that like, oh, just because just because in your head it was something doesn't mean that that's the universal truth for everyone involved. Yeah. And maybe you do need to check in with her. Like, maybe you do. At just, all. Like, yeah. Maybe it's a thing where it's like, if you had bothered to talk to her, because you see multiple times where she's kind of pulling away from him, and he's just not even seeing it. And it's the thing where it's like, you you are so... Oh my god, Sydney, are you choking? Sydney is dying. I have passed it on to Sydney now. The cough is going around. Oh no, Ian, you're next! But... I'm fine. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna deliver the rest of the speech like this tonight. Don't worry. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm really but yeah, fine. it's like it's yeah. I think that I don't even remember what I was saying, but I just sorry. Yeah, I really <laughs> like that. And, and yeah, fuck you, Sydney. How dare you? That's uh, that that section of the movie is very true to life, and I do yeah. think it's like that is. They're like, oh, the, the snakes were made on both sides, but like, it, but it he, also he was a lesson. Them. That, yeah. He ignored them. He willfully ignored them because he she was up on such a pedestal and he was only seeing in her what he wanted to see. And so maybe he did need that harsh truth. Maybe he did need her to just be like, hey, you didn't bother to see that I wasn't as into you as you were into me. And and upon watching it and, and especially trying to rewatch it with, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's tweet in mind that this movie is mm-hmm. like actually an indictment of the Tom character and of that mm-hmm. archetype. It's one of those, I, I just still wish it was harder on him. Yeah. I yeah. wish it didn't in let In what it... way? Like, how would, like, in your way, like, in your mind, how do you fix this movie to, to be harder on him? I literally think you have all the tools here. I think this movie uses a narrator. Mm-hmm. Uh, it uses flashback and uses, um, uh, like, dumb shows, essentially, mm-hmm. to show a lot. Um, and I, 
I think literally like th- it would not have been out of character for this movie if at that point when she was like, well, we've been fighting constantly. And then he's like, no, we haven't. Like, what are you talking about? To then have the narrator go, actually, they had. Like Tom a, had just not noticed. Straight up Arrested Development Yeah, style. like, ge- genuinely, Arrested Development when, he, when he's just like, but we were so madly in love, and it was just footage not yeah. found. Actually, they weren't. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I think stuff like that, like, it would not have been out of character in yeah, this movie. Yeah, no, I agree. It totally uses the vocabulary that they have. And I think then I would have gotten <laughs> it a little bit more that it's like, oh, no, Tom is willfully ignoring the signs that his relationship is not the way that he thinks it is. Yeah. Instead, I'm watching it and I'm in, I'm blindsided the same way Tom is, and then I leave the movie going, "Wow, Summer's such a jerk." It's an unreliable narrator. And then t- it's an unreliable narrator that does not present itself as unreliable. Mm. So for the target audience, 16 to 24 year olds probably who go to see this movie, like when it first came out, me as a 16 year old didn't get that it was unreliable. Yeah. And totally left that movie going, yeah. okay, we're supposed to hate Summer. Yeah. Which is not fair. And not fair to the Summers that we have all been and the Summers that we have all dated. Oh, God, I've been a Summer. I've been a Summer. I've been a Summer. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been Tom. I've been a Tom. I, I, this movie made me want to be a Tom, which is a sad thing to be now that I know. God, he was so mean to his boss. It's like wanting to work in a circus after seeing Why? Greatest Showman. Why? Just because we've all been broken up with. You don't have to be mean at your workplace. But can we talk about the the t- worst Tom scene in the movie? Please. Which is when he goes on a date with that cute redhead. And he, that is just like rock <clears throat> bottom. Okay, so set it up for us. Tom goes on a date with this woman. And he spends the entire date, which is at a place where Tom and Summer went on a date... He spent the entire time talking about Summer and, like, ranting about their breakup. And then he takes her to that same karaoke bar. He's a real Mosby about it. Oh, my God. And she she asks him, like, a a series of questions like, did she cheat on you? Did she take your money? Did she, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Cut your wheels on your car. And he's like, no, no, no. And she's like, then she did nothing wrong. Well, which is the one time that a character is willing to tell him he's wrong. Yeah. His sister does too, but she doesn't do it. She she doesn't. She's not hard enough on him. Yeah. Yeah, she's, but like she's ten. Sure, but she's got boyfriends all over the soccer field. How is she? She's only ten in this movie. I think, I think she's twelve. So. I don't know. She is. Per- I don't like I don't, precocious kids. In I don't movies. know. I don't like precocious kids in movies either. I'm not a fan. I also can't gauge how old children are. <laughs> Above two and below fifteen. No, no clue. clue. No, no idea. No, no clue whatsoever. Yeah. For the longest time, I like could have, if you would have asked me before rewatching this movie, I'd been like, who plays his sister? The precocious little sister in this movie. I would have been like, Abigail Breslin. <laughs> A billion percent, it's Abigail Breslin. And then it's, nope, there's another one. It's nope. Chloe Grace Moritz. It was Angie from Smart House. It was Angie from Smart House. Yeah, Katie Vol, not another film podcast alum, Katie Volgner. I have no clue. Um, But... Yeah, no, that seems bonkers to me because she does. She lays it out to him. She's like, dude, you are like, for all intents and purposes, being a real whiny bitch about this. Mm-hmm. And you need to get over yourself and move on. Like she did. <laughs> they go to the karaoke bar and he sings. Doesn't he sing like, oh, what does he sing? I, he's I, not singing the Pixies again. No, he's not. Oh. He's just singing this like really sad sack song and then she just shakes her head and leaves. And good for her. Good for her. I'm surprised she lasted that long. Yeah. The only reason she stayed is because of how cute Joseph Gordon-Levitt is. Mm -hmm. But also, like, clutch move. If I was single, I would take all my dates to karaoke bars. Yeah. Eh. 
I'm not a, not a big enough karaoke fan to do that. I haven't been to karaoke in so long. I think because I'm not a big enough karaoke fan to do that. I'm not either, <laughs> but I think it's a good gauge of like yeah. Anyways, I digress. Uh, no, that is a pretty that's a pretty bad Tom scene. Just horrible. That's like. Tough look for my guy Tom. Tough um, look for my guy Tom. You're right, Lauren. Uh, mm. My my good friend Tom. Tough look for a good, good friend Tom. Friend Tom. Um, Shout out to binge mode Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, the best podcast. Let's go with what's the worst look for Summer in this movie? What's her worst worst uh, worst? I know scene? what you're gonna say because you had a very vocal reaction to it. What am I gonna say? When she sleeps on his shoulder. Oh yeah, After I don't like that. Ooh, the wedding, the wedding scene. I the wedding uh, scene leaves a real bad taste not in the my wedding mouth. Scene and he means, says, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's all right." When I he says, the "Engagement, my bad." Yeah, when he was like, "You just do whatever you want, want, don't you?" And she's like, "I, I do." I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do. I think like, it's like a, it's like a soft John C. Riley. <laughs> yeah, I do think like, I maybe do. inviting him to your engagement party without telling him it's your engagement party is not a great look. That not is, a like, good that look. That is why you can't I don't invite your ex-boyfriend to your engagement party without telling him right. it's your engagement party. Wishful thinking. And that's, that's not why, an okay thing. And that's why, like, okay, Summer's not totally the bad guy, and Tom is not totally the bad guy, because no. she pulled this... She pulled this more. Right, yeah, it's, it's not great. great. But it's here's great. the thing, though. In her movie, 230 Days of Tom, it's done. She was probably like, in, um, you know, because you can't see me, I'm holding up my left finger. Yeah. Like, probably like, will you, twinkling my fingers... You want to come to my house for a party? <laughs> I would love to see this whole movie as the expectations versus reality. Yeah, <laughs> like I what know. it was. Because like, again, that's one of the other things that refutes my uh, my theory that this all takes place in Tom's head is that we're, we're led to believe that everything else that happens is objective reality. Exactly. Um, I feel like this is also like a Mr. Robot situation where you're just like, who the fuck knows? There's stuff missing, obviously. We don't know what it is. But this movie has obvious holes in it where obviously things happened that we do not get to see. Yeah. And what so is, I don't, and so what I don't hospital feel, does Matthew Gray Gubler really like, work? I at? don't. I don't feel comfortable like necessarily making a, a ton of judgments on Summer because I don't feel that Tom has showed us enough of their relationship for me to know if if what she's doing is fair. Sure. The but yeah, that because is because we're only seeing the best parts of their relationships through the relationship through his like rose tinted goggles. I don't feel like we actually know what their relationship was, and I don't know if like if she even really owes him that, you know? If, if their fights were as bad as they are, then, like, maybe he fucking deserves... I don't know. Maybe. Uh, no, but I will say that is, that's my least favorite look on Summer, is when, she, is when she sleeps on his shoulder on the train. It's, I think it's hard so, for me. The, the engagement party is tough for me to just... And they play that, like, Feist song, Mushaboom, and it just yeah. works, and everything's great and pretty. Mm -hmm. and Again, great music video. I know. Yeah, it's great. Beautiful music videos. But, um, and, I, yeah. What about, okay, so we just did worst looks for both of them. What's Tom's best scene? Where, where do we really go like, man, this guy fucking rocks? Honestly, for me, it's when he, he picks himself back up. And he braces his giant ass chalkboard and starts drawing the building with the rulers that he just has lying around. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is like... You know, when you break up with someone, that's like the, you know, the best part of it is when you pick yourself back up, mm -hmm. you're a different person, you're stronger than you were, mm -hmm. and you have found, unlocked some new part of yourself. Yeah, yep. and you realize and that there's more in your life than your relation, your romantic yeah. relationships. Exactly. And that that is worthy of your love for yourself and your attention, too. Yeah. And, like, he needed to do that because he was, like, trapped in something that he didn't enjoy doing, quite obviously. And he needed to realize that that he's worth 
you know, maybe if he focused on himself that good things will come, you know, like kind of what she said, you know, it'll, it will happen for you. Not necessarily that you have to love yourself before someone else can love you, because I don't necessarily think that that's true, but also that, that it's not productive to go and force, like, being soulmates on someone when that's not... You know, that's not part of their plan. When also it's not productive for relationships to force someone to be your soulmate. Just treat every person like a person. And then if something happens, treat them like a person, the person that is in front of you. Yeah, and then le- like let them become what they're going to be to you. That's another scene that rubs me the wrong way. Is when she shows up at his house in the morning after they have the fight about like, mm. well, what the fuck are we? You don't want to be friends. Oh, like you don't want to be. She shows up in the rain at his apartment. And they sleep together for the first time. Or not for the first time, but they're like, yeah. now we're dating officially. Yeah. That scene rubs me the wrong way. The because if that, she, that really feels like I wore you down. That feels like she, like, the fact that she had to apologize in that moment felt that, like that's, that's weird feeling. Yeah. Um, my favorite Tom scene, and I think the best look on, like, the moment where I go, oh, that's why someone would fall in love with Tom. And maybe this is a very dude thing to say, is the post-coital hollow notes dance number. Oh my god, it's one of the best parts of the movie. Oh, I forgot it's, about that. It's the it's yeah, it's one of the two best scenes in the movie. I've been so down on Tom that I completely forgot about that scene. That scene's amazing. Great. I think it's a great scene, and honestly, I think it is a hundred percent accurate to that feeling. <laughs> After you like finally like you know, I kind of consummate a... a relationship with somebody that you care a lot about. I I totally one hundred percent this may be a little bit TMI. But I have 100% like walked down the street listening to like upbeat pop music <laughs> in a very similar mood. Yeah, I mean, I had a huge smile on my face that entire time. Like yeah. the entire time we were watching that scene. I love it. I Breaks it into great. a dance number. It's great. I'm also a bigger Joseph Gordon-Levitt fan than you are. <sighs> I love JGL. I'm a huge JGL, JGL fan. JGL was my number one crush from grade like 10 to 14. Because of this choice. movie? Probably, yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's a bad actor. I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt's actually a very good actor. I, I, it's it is a weird thing where there's just like a, there's just a vibe. There's just a vibe. I'm also not a super. I interested. find it so fucking strange that you do not like the vibe of Joseph Gordon-Levitt as a person, and yet you're totally cool with Miles Teller's vibe as a person. Because I Miles Teller's vibe understand. is very upfront of like I'm a douchebag. And I'm going to be a douchebag. Oh, so it's okay to be a douchebag and no. give off a douchebag energy if you accept it? I no, because here's my... You want to know where my entire problem with Joseph Gordon-Levitt came? And I didn't have a problem with him until this moment. Mm-hmm. Is when he was hosting SNL and he did make him laugh on SNL. And it was this smug look on his face the whole time like, yeah, no, I know. I, I fucking crushed that, but I'm going to feign humility. I'm going to feign humility, guys, because it's, you know, I I mean, I practiced like, I've only ran it like three times. I can't believe it was that good. I got that backflip the first time. It's crazy. Like that shit I was like literally watching in my, like on my couch, like what, what fucking universe did I slip into right now? Whereas like, I would be much more okay with Miles Teller going on SNL and being like, People think I'm an asshole, and I am, but I know what I want in my life. I would be much more okay with yeah, that. Yeah, because that's a much better SNL sketch. It's not a better SNL sketch. What I'm saying, it's, I, I, I don't think, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's a bad actor. I really enjoy him in, um, um, oh my god, I'm forgetting the name of the movie. Inception. Where, I do enjoy him in Inception. I enjoy him in the movie where he has cancer. Oh. Uh, 50-50. 50-50. I think that movie's fantastic. Yeah. And I think he's great in it. I think he's great in Brick. 
I think he's great in um, um, Mysterious Skin. I think he's great in Third Rock from the he Sun, obviously. so many indie movies. Yeah. Third Rock from the Sun. As much as I have a huge problem with the middle of this movie, I have a problem with... Or I, I like him in Looper. Like... Mm. I think he's good. I don't think he's bad. It's literally... Like, I will go see a Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie. I just don't... If somebody was like, Ian, you want to come have lunch with me and my buddy Joe? I'd be like... Eh, can we, like, meet at a neutral place, like a coffee shop first? Ian and I are always going to disagree about JGL and Anne Hathaway. Again, I don't hate Anne Hathaway. He doesn't like Anne Hathaway. No, I don't not like Anne Hathaway. I think Anne Hathaway's good. I think she's fine. You are putting this idea that I don't like Anne Hathaway out into the world now, and I think she's fine. I think that now you're on a podcast, you're a little nervous about saying that. No. There have been things Anne Hathaway's done that I have not been crazy about film-wise the same way that... I th- who the fuck am I talking? I haven't done anything. Like, Ian, I know that you don't like... This is on the record. I know you don't like Princess Diaries, but that's, you know... Yeah, I don't. I'm not We're going to have to do that movie on this sure. podcast because I fucking... Well, we can't because the books were so much that. better. Well, the I read so all better. the books. Yeah, so much better. Oh I'm God. down to watch it again. I've only seen they're it the one time. They're very different, but I think that they're both... They're, they they're both good. valid both and they're merits. both fun. They're very different things. I read all of the Metcalf. I've only seen it the Literally one time. All I, of them. So I, I don't know. Our listeners are probably like, WTF. Can we get, <laughs> Can we back, get back to on 500 track? Days of Summer? Jesus. Sorry, listeners. Um, so that was our best look for best look for Tom. <coughs> what about our best look for Summer? What's Summer's best scene in the movie? Where we really are just like, I totally understand why somebody would fall in love with this person. When she opens up the doors of her apartment and lets Tom in. Yep. <laughs> no, I completely agree. Yeah. I do really love that. Like, even the narration bit in there I think is really sweet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the whole, like, she had never let anybody into her world at all. And we finally let her into, to, you know, yeah. she finally let him into her world. Um, also, weird bit of trivia there. There's not a ton of trivia on this movie. The entire color palette of the movie had been mostly blues and yellows mm-hmm. because of Zoe Deschanel's eyes. They wanted yeah, her I mean, eyes to pop. Yeah, I mean, they're beautiful eyes. Um, and there was no red in the movie intentionally. The only bit of red that we see is one of the origami birds in her apartment. Mm. To kind of, it's supposed to be like a visual metaphor for like, she is more complex than the world we've been seeing her yeah. in. Which I think is like, that's there, cool. Can I get more of that, please? Isn't there red at the very end when Autumn comes in? She's wearing a red shirt. Yeah. So to show that she's Completely a different, different person. Yeah. Um, Which hopefully Tom will realize. Hopefully. Um, yeah, no, that's my favorite look for Summer as well. Um, was there any bit in their relationship that you really like went to bat for these kids? Where you're like, man, I hope they make it. I mean, yeah, pretty much the whole movie. Yeah? You were, you were rooting for them. Well, okay, when I was 16, yeah. Cool. Well, what, uh, was there any specific scene where you're like, man, that's that's the ideal. That's a relationship right there. I mean, Ikea is probably like the pinnacle. Well, and the, when they were laying in bed and she's like, I've never told anybody that before. Yeah, I like that scene when they're yeah. kind of in bed together and they seem like it's like... Swapping the, it's, secrets. It's yeah. the domestic moment when they're just kind of laying there in PJs and talking to each other because I think yeah. that's... The most realistic, like, oh, that could be sustainable. Yeah. I think that, or, like, the first time that she's over at his place, like, after they kissed in the mail room, and then he, they're just like, oh, do you want to go out to eat? Let's go do that. Where she's oh. like, oh, this seems normal. And her, the, Matthew Greg Goobler's over, 
And he, what does he say? What's that? Oh like? You were like stalking yeah, her. Yeah, And then stalking. she says, yeah, let's go out to dinner. I'm stalking. I'm stalking. I mean, starving. Yeah, I thought that was great. That's cute. I like that a lot. I thought that was great. Yeah. I thought that was a good look for my girl. No, I buy that. I buy that. As a 26-year-old, I want to co-sign on that being the, being the answer. Yeah. Even though as a 16-year-old, as a that was not, that would not have been my answer. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. Because as a 16-year-old dude, my answer would have been very stupidly. And this is me pointing out again just how dumb 16-year-old boys are and how dumb men are in general. Um, the fact that I still sympathize with Tom at this point. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, the best scene in the movie is when, like, he's talking to her about music. Mm-hmm. And well, it's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's a dude telling somebody about the things that they like. Yeah. Which is exactly what this podcast is. And I yeah. understand the irony of that. <laughs> but Isn't it crazy that when we were younger, like, I know, I for me, it was like one of my top, like, key qualifiers for if I dated someone is if they had good taste in music. Oh, and billion that, percent. that lasted, like, through college. Dude, that well, lasted until college. Ian and I started dating. What do you mean? And our first... Because she hates... Because she hates rap music. No, our first week of, like, messaging on Facebook where we were too, like... When we, we were too nervous about giving each other each other's phone numbers was just us sending songs back and forth on Messenger. Yeah, that's true. And then you you have said up to this day that that was like sort of a test. Oh yeah, no it is. Exactly. So, so it's weird. still a thing. Which is, it's weird because like Cole and I, we, you know, for those who don't know, Cole and I started dating freshman year of college and our music interests could not be more different. I know. That's, it's always not confused me about your relationship, yeah. but I think it's one of the most fascinating things about your relationship is that I've, cause I've known you both forever. I've known Cole since kindergarten. I've known you since high school. And that's always like, that's just something that's really fascinating to me is like how, how different your musical taste is. But we're open to each other's music. Well, like we listen to like, you know, sometimes we'll listen to Travis Scott, and he'll listen to John Legend's new Christmas album. Yeah, and sometimes you get in the car and you hear the same five seconds of Lupe <laughs> Fiasco's The Cool, yeah. and uh, and then you turn on your Bluetooth. Yeah, but even with, like, friend, when I, you know, when I said throughout college, I, that extended to my friendships, too, was like, oh, does this person, but now that I'm older, I'm like, okay, most of my friends like country music, which I'm not a huge fan of, and I think that just shows how you grow and that does not become and it doesn't mean that, that like you're not soulmates right or that you're not like meant to be in a relationship together having things yeah. in common like the, the music that you like is not an it's not an indicative of your rightness for each other right you know it's like a very shallow thing and it, it's just like a gateway into like this is something we can talk about and this might lead to like yeah a greater understanding of each other but yeah. yeah, I think I, that shows growth. I think it's I think it's beautiful now that I'm I'm older specifically and, and can look at it a little bit more, um, or, or not more, but less selfishly than I have. Uh, I acknowledge that I have looked at relationships before, which has been very much like what can either I teach you about the things that I like, and now uh, now hopefully at least looking at it a little bit more. Lauren's giving me a terrible look and shaking her eye and no, giving me no. a middle finger right now. But oh <laughs> looking at it as uh, what can what can we teach each other yeah. and like what in the things that you like can you teach me and what in the things that I like interests you that I can teach you about. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I think like that's that's the ideal that they strive for. That I think the movie it just very much shows Tom's side of it mm-hmm. of what can I show you. Like I think you you get that very much in the graduate scene. They go see The Graduate, and she has a huge emotional experience, and it's his favorite movie, and it's impacted the way he's looked at relationships ever since, which is 
unhealthy as shit if you look at The Graduate as, like, the the, the capstone of, of romance mm-hmm. in your life. Um, <clears throat> that, oh, yeah, this is how relationships are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's just a... Like, that's... it's in, the, We were just talking about this earlier when you, watch, when you show somebody a piece of art or a movie or an album or a song that really means a lot to you. It, there is a bit of, like, I'm sharing a part of myself with you. Mm-hmm. Um... And there's the scariness of like, I don't know if they're going to like it. You know, I remember showing a partner of mine, a movie that I loved, like loved with all my heart. And I was so excited and so nervous to show this to them. And at the end of it, I asked them, I was like, what'd you think? And they were like, it was okay. No. And that, that broke my heart more than like, like a lot of stuff. <laughs> what movie was it? Scott Pilgrim. Oh, mm. One of my favorites. You do love that movie. I love Scott Pilgrim. But yeah, they're like, that was okay. And it, it broke me. And I could not, I didn't have the words or like anything to be able to vocalize like why it hurt so much. No, it's a very vulnerable moment when you share something that you love so dearly with someone else and, and you open yourself up to showing like, this is something that means a lot to me. Yeah. And you give them the power to invalidate that thing that you love, which feels like it's invalidating a part of yourself. And that's a really tough thing to do, putting yourself out there like that. It's something that is really difficult. Mm-hmm. And it- it's not its not the same as just being just looking at someone and going down a checklist of like, do you like this thing and do you like this thing? It's, it's introducing people to things that you like and, yeah. and them being receptive to those things and also in being receptive to those things, also respecting the things that you love. Yeah. I think that's, that though is like the, that is a lesson I had to learn in spite of the movie though. Like I, like I've kind of gone back to, I kind of feel like the movie taught me and then continued to reinforce the negative of that. Yeah. Of like, no, it's about what I can test you on and what I can teach you Mm -hmm. as opposed to what you can teach me or we can teach each other. Yeah. Which is just interesting. I think it's. Yeah, it's because so, it's, it's, when Tom shares things with her, it's more just like, I can't believe that you don't like that, which doesn't feel very authentic in, in what sharing uh, sharing things that you love with, with someone you're in a committed relationship with should feel like. Hmm. It's not just like, here's the thing that I love. If you don't like it, you're stupid. It should be just like, this is the thing that I love, and then that person taking that and going, okay, cool, what can I learn about you from this thing that you like, that yeah. you love? And asking questions. Yeah. The big thing Tom never does in this yeah, fucking he movie. He never asks her like, he's, he's just like, I can't believe you don't like them. He, you don't see him asking, why didn't you like it? What do you like? Yeah. What, what about, you, what, what do, do you, you want to listen to today? Yeah. Hey, Summer, where do you want to eat tonight? Yeah. Mm, these pancakes are good. <laughs> um, great. Do we have any other, uh, oh, the other, the only other thing I want to talk about, which I do think is the best scene in the movie, we've touched on it briefly, is the expectations versus reality mm. scene. Yeah, it's great. I think that scene ages beautifully. Yeah, it looks so great. It's really good. That's, that is like the fucking money of this movie, which is where Tom goes to a party that Summer invites him to. This is after they've broken up and there are two, the screen is divided into two sections. One is expectations and one is reality. And it's, he brings her a gift and she's over the moon about it and the expectations and, you know, she kisses him and then she's excited to show him off to all of her friends. And then the reality is she like welcomes him and long story short, finds out that she's engaged after it's become night. How long has he been at this party? A long time. What is he hoping? He He should have gone home. 
At that, I feel like you would get right away that she's there with another dude. Also, yeah. that apartment is super nice. Yeah. He should have known the, off the you're bat. You're at the apartment she lives in with another dude, and you're telling me you didn't... There are no pictures on the wall? You didn't like, see immediately that that it, she's cohabitating that, that place? Yeah. I don't think... And granted, I don't think he's wrong in just, like, rushing out and leaving. I really don't. No, I totally I just would wouldn't have gone. Yeah. But I also think Summer should have told him. But at the same time, like, dude, use your fucking peepers. Yeah. Look around. Look for these pics. Yeah. My guy, what are you doing? Yeah, also it's an engagement party. How do you not realize you're at an engagement party? Yeah. Don't you realize you're the one dick that didn't bring a gift? Or I guess he, he did, did bring a he gift. Brought, he brought a gift. He brought the book he was reading. Yeah. <laughs> Tom. <laughs> Fucking Tom. Total Tom move. Total oh, Tom move. Oh, man. All right. Um... Yeah, so the budget on this movie was $7.5 million, ended up grossing $60 million worldwide. This was wow. a, a pretty big hit. was nominated for two Golden Globe Awards. was nominated for Best Picture Comedy. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt was nominated for Best Actor mm-hmm. in a Comedy. Um, yeah, that's, that's really all that I found. Do we have a game to play? Um, we do have one game to play. Uh, Is going to make it a thing? Do I am going to make it a thing. Do we want to play a game? Do we want to play a game? You're going to be stuck in a room with two insufferable white men talking <laughs> oh, about their no. loves. <laughs> um, that's a fun game. Tom Hansen or Ted Mosby? Stuck in... Who would you rather date for a prolonged period of time? Like, how oh, long are we talking? Tom Hansen, for her sure. 290 days with one of them. Tom Hansen or Ted Mosby? Tom. For sure. Yeah, I go Tom too. For her sure. I'm sorry, Ted. No, Ted bro. is no Ted. Ted is just so much more high maintenance. Dude, even, both architects. Even the mother had to get away somehow. Ooh, that was uh, too soon. Too soon. <laughs> yeah. Um. So she, yeah, she died. We do like to play a game on this show. One of Lauren's favorite actors, uh, actually her definite favorite actor, is a little man by the name of Ben Wishaw, mm-hmm. and we have uh, brought him up several times in the show. So now we're gonna play a game. Who could Ben Wishaw? And I'm sure that so many of you know who this actor is, a.k.a. none of you. Yeah, Ben Wishaw does the voice for Paddington Bear. He is the the new Q in the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. That's probably where most people know him from. He's very small and very British and could be 12 or could be 40. We don't know. He's going to be one of the grown-up kids in the new Mary Poppins movies. That'll probably give him a lot of exposure. Yeah. Who could Ben Wishaw have played in 500 Days of Summer? Are we going to be first? Yeah. Summer, 100%. Ooh! I'm liking that. Summer, 100%. Sid? So beguiling. Um, one of the greeting card company employees. Mm, not Matthew Gray Goobler? No. I feel like I could also see him as Matthew Gray. Leave, would... Ma- leave Matthew Gray Goobler alone. Yeah, He's leave him in this. No. He needs to stay in this movie so I think I think he could have spiced it up, add a little more personality to That is it. true. I Actually, if you know what this movie did need a sassy gay friend. If you replaced, what's his little punk ass, little, what's his name? <laughs> Chloe Grace Moritz. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Aaron. Yeah. The friend yeah. that's married to Christina Hendricks. Yeah, the guy that continually talks about how hot women are. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> At least he says he would hook up with somebody. He says, I would, like, I, I love any girl as long as she's hot or willing. Bull. And I guess we don't need her to be hot. Which I do, I guess I, I kind of like that the, the focus is still on the consent. Yeah, I do like that. Please. Because that line that line also could have gone as, lo- well, as long as she's hot. Because that line the also... The 1996 could... version of the script exactly. is that line. 100%. Yuff. 
Yeah. I would like, even though I hate the fact, because it's getting... The National it's Lampoon getting, version of this movie. I know. It's getting rid of our one of our few actors of color in this movie, uh, mm-hmm. is Shirley from Community, who comes oh, yeah. in with the woman who replaces Summer. I would be really interested if Ben Wishaw replaced... Uh, mm-hmm. was, was that actor? And, yeah. And then, like, kind of developed a thing for Tom <laughs> in the same position. Actually, no. Ben Wishaw as Autumn. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool, yeah. He gets with a girl named Autumn at the end of this movie, and it's mm-hmm. cute. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. That's I 500 mean, my reasons. answer's always Ben Wishaw is literally every role. I sure. probably would like Tom more. A bus ben full of Ben Wishaws. All of them. Ben Wishaw is every single person in the dance number. Yeah. Ooh. Every single dancer is just, uh, is just Paddington Bear. <laughs> <laughs> All of his da- backup dancers are Paddington. Do we recommend 500 Days of Summer? Sydney, I'll go to you. Heck yeah. Yeah? You still recommend it? Yeah. Watch it. Definitely. And it's still good. I enjoyed, well, for the most part, I enjoyed watching it, except for, like, the crushing realization that this movie shaped four years of my life, but... Yeah. But it also was great, because I was like, oh, I grew up. I'm not that person anymore. No. Yeah. Lauren? I would say absolutely. I think it's, like, it's totally watchable, first of all. It's not, like, painful to watch or anything. No, it's it 95 minutes. It runs quick. It's goes fast. down smooth. Um, and then also, I think it actually is really good for kind of questioning our relationship with media and and the way that it's shaped our expectations of relationships i think it's actually really good to to especially if you like this when you were a teenager to watch it again and kind of see how it's changed in your mind and and how many of the behaviors are okay and not okay and you know how much of a hipster it made you yeah you know what i i gotta say i'm convinced i came into this really like fuck this movie now mm-hmm. um because i don't think it's hard enough on tom Mm-hmm. And I'm very, very personally was like, man, I feel like this movie shaped a lot of really bad habits that have taken me mm-hmm. and are still, that I'm still in the process of shaking myself mm-hmm. out of. Uh, and I blame this movie and movies like this for, for a lot of that. But I um, also do think that like this movie created the conversation that we just had, which exactly. is, I think is a very productive conversation for a lot of people to have when they're questioning themselves and and what they value in relationships. Which is why I am going to recommend it. Yeah. yeah. Because I think, I, while yes, I would like a, mo- a version of this that is a little bit <coughs> harder on Tom and gives us summer side of it. I think this could be a really cool like uh, Netflix limited series. Mm-hmm. If we oh, get yeah. like, like if literally we get two 90 minute movies, one of them is Tom's side of it and the other one's summer side of the same relationship. I'd be interested in something like that. Um, because I do think what's lacking from this movie is the woman's point of view, mm-hmm. um, which I think would have been really... Uh, noteworthy to 16 year old Ian when he's watching this Um, because I realized that oh I was crying over the wrong things and not getting the point but I I do I do recommend it because I do think that this was uh, it was a little bit more of a more of an experience rewatching it than I expected it to be yeah Um, awesome and now we get into the other part of our podcast is there a modern analog to 500 days of summer is there something that we watched uh, within the last couple years that really that we think is uh in the same lifeblood of this movie. Um, Lauren, I'll go to you first. Um, great. So I'm going to recommend a TV series that actually got a little shout out earlier in the episode. Um, because it's, I believe, executive produced by Mark Webb now, uh, the director of this movie. Um, that's Crazy Ex-Girlfriend yeah. on the CW. Um, I think a lot of what we've been talking about, about deconstructing these tropes of what we consider romantic in behavior is uh, really tackled by the series incredibly well. Yeah, Rachel think, Bloom's a genius. I think you can be you can be put off by the title really, really easily. And put off the fact that it's on CW. Yeah, I but think. it's so 
incredibly smart and it is a complete deconstruction of these these destructive relationship behaviors and what we consider romantic especially because it's just sort of gender swapped a lot of the things that that she does which are portrayed as incredibly unhealthy and bordering on stalking that she sees as romantic that i that i think we tend to think are okay if a dude does them but then a woman does them and, and they're incredibly destructive and it is so interested in examining um, why she views all of these destructive behaviors as the, the per, like how to pursue happiness. That really all of these are just a result of her feeling empty with her life and then ultimately dealing with, with mental illness. Um, and then also it's a musical. Um, every single episode has at least two songs and there are, there are so many that They're are all original incredibly and... catchy. Uh, incredibly smart and and just like it will stick with you forever i can't say enough great things about it but i think that it actually tackles a lot of things that 50 days of summer uh, 500 days of summer not 50 days of summer um do already and does it super well and is much more interested in keeping its main character uh, accountable for, yeah. for her actions totally so i think that. it's a really good companion to it and give it at least give it at least an episode and i think you'll be won over yeah yeah it's really terrific uh sid i'll go to you what about you? Oh, God. Okay, so there's a show that came on ABC in 2014 called From A to Z. Oh. I've never heard of this I've show. I've heard of it, but I know that it was short-lived. Mm-hmm. It was short-lived, but it was great. It reminded me so much of this movie. Nice. Uh, and if you're looking for what's a movie, it, What's it about? What's, yeah, what's it about? Give, uh, us the, give us the pitch. It is about a guy and a girl who meet. Mm-hmm. Her name is like... I can't remember. It's been so long. Her name. Her name starts the name. His name starts the. Z. It's one of the girls from uh, How America's Next Top Model too. It was Tyra like she's Banks? got she's got the really big eyes. Yeah, she's one of the contestants she's on the, that. Yeah, she's the, she's the mom from How I Met Your Mother. Oh. Oh. Oh wait, Kristen Milotti's on this. Oh, okay. I had her confused with another girl who's on great. a rom com. Got it. Love Kristen Milotti. Yeah, they both work at like a dating, like app company, and they meet, and it's like got the hmm. same like relationship dynamic. I would love awesome. to see that as the setting for the 500 Days of Summer Netflix remake that we're pitching. Me Is that too. they're like working for like an equivalent of Tinder? Yeah. That would be oh, interesting. Netflix hire us. Yeah. Uh, I'm awesome. gonna recommend, uh, yeah, that's cool. I've never heard of that show. Can you watch it anywhere on streaming or maybe on Hulu? Gotcha. Well, give it a shot. Google yeah. it. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie that came out <laughs> last year that uh, is truly the romance for our time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Call Me By Your Name, uh, which uh, in terms of movies swoon. that have had huge, like, I'm looking at this purely experientially. So when I saw 500 Days of Summer when I was like 16, 17 years old, it really like affected me a lot. Like I remember really crying in the theater and like really having like a big experience. I think and we it, all did. Yeah. And the the most I've ever felt in a romance since then was Call Me By Your Name last year, which we saw in theaters... Uh, I know Lauren and I saw it, and then you and Cole saw it, and then the four of us saw it together. We just to see to, it again because we were like, we could use a good cry. Just to have a good cry. And I think that that movie um, has some of the greatest advice ever about what it means and what is at risk and ultimately what is to gain about fall, allowing yourself to fall in love and to have a relationship and to get hurt. Um and the value that comes out of those things and, and how healthy that is. Uh, I, I really, I can't speak more highly for Call Me By Your Name. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. I love it 
to death. Tom needs to get a speech. From, he needs to get a Dr. Perlman yeah, speech. Yeah, he really needs that. Uh, I could use a Dr. Perlman I think Perlman we all speech. could. We yeah. all could. Yeah. Let's all just go watch that on YouTube right now. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this episode of Not Another Film Podcast. I want to thank Sydney for recommending 500 Days of Summer for this like really kind of thoughtful conversation that we've all gotten to have today. Um, anybody have anything they want to plug? Sid, you got anything? No. I mean, you voted. It's, the polls are closed. So. Hopefully. If not, you're to blame. Or if you did, thank you a lot. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Lauren? Uh, yeah, just for everyone who voted, thanks a lot. For everyone who could have voted but didn't, boo! Mm, yeah. Go fuck yourself. Um, but other than that, no. Uh, Cole Goff and I have another podcast that we're running called The Four Year Reconsideration Pod where we're taking movies year by year. Uh, Prestige Cinema and taking a look at what won the big awards and what we think deserved to win. Uh, And we are going to have our episode of 1992 coming at you next week. We're really excited about that. A lot of great movies. White Men Can't Jump, League of Their Own, Wayne's Ah! World, Unforgiven, Reservoir Dogs. A lot of great movies that we're going to talk about on that. Um, And yeah, until then, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Uh, with a very special episode on one of uh, my favorite movies from my youth, little film called Bad Boys 2. Very excited to bring that to you folks. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.